Steve! Yeah, Brad? Hey, Steve, have you heard about 4th and Kirby? Why, no, I haven't! Can you tell me about it? Absolutely! They're a vintage-inspired, high-quality, and well-designed University of Illinois athletic apparel company! Well, gee, I sure do like the Fighting Illini, but how do we know that we can feel good about it? Say, Steve, that's a good question. Do you feel nostalgic for campus with original designs and designs inspired by artifacts of the past? Well, I sure do, Brad! Well, that's just a dippity-doo. How about TCR-inspired collections for shirts that are going to be released throughout the football season? Aw, oh, gee whiz, that sure would be swell! Well, I've got just the company for you, Steve. They're alumni putting the skills they honed at the University of Illinois to work at 4th and Kirby! 4th and Kirby? Do they have a website? They sure do. It's 4th, F-O-U-R-T-H, and Kirby, K-I-R-B-Y, dot com. Welcome back to the We Know You Have Sand Illinois podcast. I'm Brandon Burkhead here with Brad Recklinger on the phone live from the State Farm Center post win over the Nebraska Cornhuskers, three of the last five now for the Illini and also Matt O'Neill from his some undisclosed Chicago location. How are we doing today? <laughs> Pretty good. I have to I have to start off the podcast correcting you already. I've seen multiple people say this, but it's actually three of the last six, not to be a complete WWE. But it's one of those things. It is three of the last five. It's just like one of those things where you could say it's three of the last six, but it's also three of the last seven or three of the last No, but it's, it's not three of the last five. Is it not? It's three of the last six, yeah. We've won two of our last five. We don't have to break down the schedule, but. <laughs> Here's our 45-minute podcast as to why it's three of five and not oh, three of it six. Is. I just completely the start. My, my problem is I just completely forget some of these games that are just like oh blah. I forgot the Wisconsin game happened. Like that's what happened. No, no, that, that's 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 my sole purpose on here is to just play well actually. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, still three of six. Like really good, really good. We're starting to look like the team that like because I thought we were going to finish around five hundred overall on the season, which means like hey, sometimes you play great, sometimes you don't play good. That's been the story for, lately for Illinois and. They didn't play that well today, but Nebraska played worse, and they were able to get a win. So how was it today for you, Brad, do you think, in the crowd? Because uh, today, like, closer game than was comfortable for how we were playing, especially in the first half. Nebraska was hanging around, but they never got within more than seven. But down the stretch, Illinois is hitting their three throws. Was there ever a seed of doubt that people were having? Oh, yes, there was. Um, as a matter of fact, so we, um, we being the collective fan base here at the State Farm Center at the University of Illinois, um, a lot of people and a lot of the fan base kind of, it, it, I've got takes on the crowd because this is, this is the first game I've been in this building where we've had a full, um, or well, a, a, a 
actually rostered Orange Crush as opposed to the weird fan base that kind of hangs around during um, <laughs> during games or whatever it is. The weird. You know, during yeah, the weird, the weird towny people, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It is also occurring to me that the outlets up here in the 200 level little media box areas don't actually function. So um, this is uh, going to kill my productivity a little bit here. Okay. No, um, but, uh, but on with the show. No, it, um, it, it never felt like this crowd was kind of ready to hoist this team over that perennial, like 10 point lead. I think it got to 51 41, um, midway through the second half. And normally what I'm accustomed to seeing or being a part of in this building is you'd get, you know, an additional, you know, kind of little surge from the crowd, you know, kind of like, let's go boys, get over this 10 point hump and then, you know, really stick it to them. And it just never came. And I don't know if that's, you know, a testament of the crowd itself, or if it's just because we all kind of expected the inevitable collapse. And I mean, Illinois fans, their soul has been killed and we have been trained to expect the worst at all times. Like, we every might, time it's yeah. like, oh, we're up by 15, like, I don't believe it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, what, what's we happening? Might... What's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're tricking me. Yeah, no, we as a collective fan base may have forgotten, and this is actually a, a column I had, or idea that I had in the middle of the game, we as fans may have forgotten how to do this because of <laughs> just how bad it's been. Like there used to be, even in the, the, the days of the Sean Pruitt era when, you know, they would, they would blow ultimately the same lead, but there would still be moments where they, you know, the, the team would kind of turn around and go, Hey, there's, you know, you've got a nine point lead midway through the second half, you know, you go on a five hole run here and it basically crushes the hopes and dreams of your opponent. And it does. This is what the building used to do. Underwood, even in his postgame presser was talking about, Oh, this is the 11th best program in, in college basketball history. And, you know, we, the fan base should, you know, you know, acts like it and blah, 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 which a little bit of pandering there. We'll get to that at another time, but overall it, it felt like we like we, the fan base, were kind of collectively holding our breaths for the inevitable collapse, and it almost happened midway through the second half. But um, but credit to uh, Nebraska for uh, so uh, wrapping cellophane over the top of the basket. My God, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Well, Nebraska's really – it's not just been this game for Nebraska. Nebraska ever – even before Isaac Copeland went down with an injury, Nebraska's been having a just super, super tough time on the offensive end. So in their last five games against Michigan State, they shot 32%. Against Rutgers was the only game they shot over 40 at 41.7. Against Ohio State, it was 36%. Against Wisconsin, it was only 28%. And then today – you only shoot 38% again, 38.5 to be precise. Like they're just having a really bad time right now on offense. They're not very deep. And if their top players aren't scoring well, it's kind of just, you run the ball up the court and then you just give it to Palmer and then we'll see what happens. And Palmer still gets some 22 points, but on six of 20 shooting, like they're mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. But they don't have yeah, between their, yeah, between their three starting guards, two Palmer Watson and um, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Allen. I don't have the box score in front of me. Yeah. I know I had media credentials and I didn't grab a box score after the game. So <laughs> rookie mistake. Um, but I think I no joke. I think collectively the three guards went like five for twenty or something, which 
among the three of them, only putting up 20 attempts. Um, no, Palmer was six for 20 I, himself. Yeah, Palmer. I was, was going to say that may that may have been the first half. Um, but they just they got off to a slow start, and I don't know. You know, I kind of sitting on the floor next to uh, to Coach Miles, he kept just kind of hounding the guys, just like, you know, take it to the hoop, take it to the hoop, and you know, credit to Illinois defense, and that's something that we kind of I was talking with some fans about during the game boy, this Underwood, you know, okay, we're just going to win games by outscoring opponents like crazy and blah, blah, blah. And in reality, it was the other way around today. The Illini played great defense, especially in the well, post. Shout out I, to Georgie and Kipper and even, uh, even Trent Frazier. I'd say about that, Brad, is they don't really have a post scorer. And they've been shooting so poorly over these last few games. So how much of this can we really credit to, oh, Illinois played great lockdown defense. And for one, I, to be clear i i'll assume it played fantastic defense on palmer holding him to a low percentage yep. nebraska's been playing like shit on offense no offense for these last five games so how much of this can be like oh what illinois did or else it's just like nebraska's given up on this season and they almost might be giving up on their coach yeah and that's i think kind of what i tried to bring up to you after the first half or to someone after the first half is even like oh that was like one of our better halves of defense and yeah, we they did play good defense. Like you, like credit Illinois for that. Like they did a good job. Their pressure got to them. But like Nebraska, very quickly was like, okay, I'm Palmer. I'm coming down. I'm going to shoot this time, or I'm going to shoot. Or like Glenn Watson's going to do just something. Gonna chuck time. it like, and hope we get an offense. They weren't. They weren't like trying to like really take advantage of our like you know. They weren't really running like backdoor cuts to Roby. They weren't really like taking their time with any of it. They didn't turn the ball over a lot, but it was just like really bad shots and bad possessions. And like, you have to give Illinois some credit for that. But like at the, at, you know, at this point, like their season's like kind of going down the toilet and what like a lot of this game looked like to me was like Palmer going, okay, my number two guy Copeland just went down with an injury. We've lost four in a row. We're trending away. We're not going to make the tournament. Our coach is probably going to get fired. I'm sure as shit going to make sure my scoring average doesn't take. Like that's honestly like what a lot of it looked like. And it looked like, and you know, credit Underwood and Illinois. This is what we don't want. We don't want to see like a team, like our team quit on the coach because that means like that this isn't going to work and they're still fighting and playing really hard, but you really can't say the same of Nebraska after that. I think it looked like a lot of some of those, you know, John gross coach games where it's just no answers on offense. Enough. I think enough Nebraska talk, except for one last note, board chart. Board chart? Ch- chart, dude? <laughs> I don't know. Board chart, we'll go with that. Uh, he had – he's a guy who averaged, like, about three rebounds a game total going before this game. He had 18 in this game, including 11 offensive rebounds. Like, he was basically their offense. And he, despite all their offensive rebounds today, they had 21 as a team. They didn't have that many – Second chance points, only 18 on those 21 offensive rebounds. Like, Nebraska just was crap. But I think we need to give more credit to Illinois than maybe we have been to start here. Like, Trent Frazier and Io had fine, okay-ish games. But really what put Illinois over the top was Kipper Nichols just came kind of out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. 18 points today on 7 of 8 shooting. Yeah, that was awesome to see for Kipper, especially because, like, even – I mean – everyone's been ragging him. And I don't think like, you know, you don't have to like apologize for it. He went scoreless for like five straight games. Like, so that was that, that, you know, that, that really sucked to see, but you know, he, 
he really slowed down on offense and like his jump shot, you know, he was hitting some tough shots too. It's not like he was just completely left wide open and, and, um, you know, let, let alone to do what he wanted to do. But I thought that was awesome to see. And I really, really didn't see it coming. Yeah. He hadn't made a basket since the Michigan game, which I mean, that, that says a lot about that. One interesting point about Kipper that Underwood brought up was the fact that the coaching staff left him alone the last uh, main team practice. They typically were trying to, I guess, coach him up and, you know, you know, lead by example, Kipper and blah, 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 blah. And I, from what I understand, they basically left him alone and said, Kipper, do your thing. We're going to work on free throws, which is hilarious because they did actually work on team free throws, apparently, as the last thing at practice um, yesterday. So uh, <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be up on the old drawing board again. But it's interesting to me that it, it seems like Underwood and his coaching style has changed this season. Um, from the beginning of the year, or at least when I first uh, was listening to him talk about it back in December at the United Center, he was talking about, oh, team's got to be more aggressive and, you know, guys need to take leadership and, and blah, 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 and be responsible for their roles and all this other, all this other crap, you know, the standard cliche stuff. After the Northwestern game, it was kind of more along the lines of, well, we gave, you know, the ball to the, the guys that wanted it and, you know, kind of stayed out of their way and blah, blah, blah. And now, it's more along the lines of this team has kind of found their identity and is now starting to play more complete games. And this one, especially where, you know, thank you, Nebraska for not making a shot, at least, you know, the line I held on in the second half, you know, how many, how many times have we watched as a fan base where this has gone completely down the toilet and, you know, they've given up that nine point lead or even against Maryland, you know, how many times have we seen that where, Oh, Maryland goes on their little eight Oh run to start the second half and Illinois is down by five and they'll never come back. And, you know, it was ugly, but they got it done in both examples. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how guys like, I would assume how guys like Trent Frazier and, you know, the, the the elder roles in a Kipper Nichols really step into their own roles and kind of, you know, drive this identity forward. Cause as a fan, I think it's a better thing to kind of let, you know, let them do their thing. Don't you think? I don't know if I'd agree with the whole, like we didn't like, we played badly down the stretch. I think it's just that Nebraska kind of also wasn't playing good. Cause look in the last minute we missed two of nine, three throws. Last minute of the game, we missed two of nine three throws. Like, we easily could have given this game up. Yeah, it's, so it's hard easy. to say. It's hard to say. It's like, oh, they really finished this one out strong. Those that 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 you know the free throws and everything left you know a bad taste. But I guess what you could say is you know they still played. They didn't like quit or get nervous on defense. They weren't turning the ball over. They were just missing free throws. Exactly. Kept executing in that way, which is encouraging. Um, but. Nebraska, you know, still had a lot to do with it too. But the, yeah, this the is a game. Two, in the last two minutes, Illinois didn't hit a basket. In the last three minutes, they only hit two. Like so, mm. they didn't like close this out with dominance. It oh was no! More like they no, just no, won no. a game. Like, and that's fine. But well, they, you should beat a team. They like, shoot themselves in the foot. Nebraska is a team that's pretty much given up on their coach, and they've lost four in a row. Like, and you're playing at home. Yeah, beat them. You should beat them. As more of these wins you pick up, it's good. And it's good to build confidence for the future. But I think that it's just – they. I feel like when it comes to, like, 
playing the Underwood style that there's still so much that Brad Underwood keeps tweaking and we'll play, we'll throw in more zones sometimes, or we'll stick with the pressure defense or sometimes we won't even run the spread offense. It's just, we played a lot more to see that he's starting to like try to get rid of like some of this stuff that's maybe not working, go with more stuff that'll actually lead to more wins here at this time. But this is not like a Brad Underwood win game. And like, to me, you know, that's not, this is not how I picture like, Oh, this is how we're always, going to win under Brad Underwood. Uh, I, I'll disagree with that because point. It's not going to be returning over Nebraska a lot and scoring a lot in fast, in fast break points. We, we didn't take nearly as many shots as our opponent. We, they shot us by a lot. Nebraska took 70 shots. Um, part yeah. of the rebound. But, to, but to me, I think like kind of what you're saying there is like this kind of – it was ugly. There was a lot of missed shots. But it looked like more of a average college basketball game. And I, I think like – that's some of Brad very big time. <laughs> or some of Brad adjusting to his own team. And he, he kind of said, I don't know if it was with Morris on the court or in his presser afterwards, but that like he feels more comfortable on his bench now. And we can argue if he should have been more comfortable earlier or not, but there's more guys that can come in and the game doesn't really change and they can run similar things. And they ran more zone today. Like you said, they, and, and I think that's okay if, not every win, we can't win the same way every single game. But the fact that we could win a game where the other team didn't have to turn the ball over 20 times or we didn't have to shoot, I guess we shot 40% from three, but we didn't have to make 12 threes or we didn't have to have 20 fast break points, but they grinded out an ugly win against, you know, a team that, yeah, I think that's like kind of like maybe we're saying the same thing, but that's something that this team didn't do the first year and a half really of Underwood at all. Like they weren't able to kind of like get a win like that. Yes. Like I'm not trying to give them credit. Like they didn't close it out great, but they, they weren't able to win like really a game in this kind of style where it kind of came down to just half court possessions and, you know, making your free throws for yeah. the people. Yeah. Good old big, yeah. Big 10 physical slug fest. Late. And, like yeah. John Gross style win to be. Honest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It looked like a John Gross game. And I, I have said before, like, Tim Miles, like, I'm like, he's just John Gross, I'm pretty sure. He's like the same <laughs> yes. exact guy. Like, he really is. Like, and so that was the kind of the style of game. And I think, like, the hard Nebraska thing fans. Miles like, going forward, though, is just you have to be like, Nebraska's, like, never been good. Like, I don't remember Nebraska ever being good at basketball. So it's just They've like, never won a tournament game. It's like, it's like, yeah, like, they're, maybe you expect them to be better. But at the same time, it's like, you're in Nebraska. Like you're you're Nebraska. Like this is <laughs> I don't know, but we'll see how that goes out for them. But other than that, Illinois today shooting three throws, just yeah, nine for twenty three, only four under forty percent three throw shooting. It was really funny. So uh, Georgie Bashanchavili's brother was in attendance after the game. First thing that he went up to Coach Underwood, he met like, "Hey, Coach, nice to meet you. I'd like to say I'm embarrassed for my brother's <laughs> three throw shooting today." Yes. Yeah, he was over four. It. Great. Yeah, that's great. um, that's as you say on Georgie's brother too, man. Like, and this is one of the things that I'll Dude, I'll wrap it up here, and then I'll let you guys. Throw, second half on three throws. Got... Like we are five of nineteen. <laughs> oh yeah, it was yeah. second. Yeah, three free throws in the second half were god awful. Um, I will I'll leave you guys with this, and then we can uh, jump over to the the football talk. I'll let you guys talk uh, talk about the coaches there. Um is that uh, as emotional of a player 
as Georgie is, you could definitely tell today that it was there was just like that little extra you know, notch in there. And again, and that's because again, he's got family in the building, which, you know, they've never seen this campus. They've never seen this building before. And you can tell, um, you know, you can tell that that matters. And I think potentially what we'll see in years to come with Georgie is if you start bringing in kind of younger recruits, Georgie becomes the team captain or not becomes remains the team captain and kind of, you know, takes the, the senior role or whatever it is. I, I'm willing to bet you that he becomes a guy that like brings everybody under his wing and the whole thing. He's such an emotional player. And it was really, it was today as a fan, it was just, it was really cool to see him kind of, you know, turn it up just another notch in terms of, uh, you know, emotion and, um, you know, getting the fans fired up again, this, this building is a completely different building with the orange crush in it. Um, there, there is still much to be desired, which we'll talk about that another time. But um, not a, to get a Big Ten win at home in an ugly, like a like a true Big Ten win, you know, slugfest, defensive, crappy shooting, free throw, just abysmal performance. Yet you grind it out and win by nine or whatever it was. Um, that just that's that's a game that I think we all wanted to see that we needed to see as a fan base, and it was really good to see it happen. And I'm I'm willing to bet you that uh, coming up here at the end of the year again, I think there's what, there's what four home games left, five, four, three. Yeah, probably four or five. I'm 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 going out. Here's the market on the on the pod right here. I'm saying we get three. All right, so. Give me, give me Northwestern, Penn State, and Indiana. Okay. Oh, so we're gonna lose to Rutgers at home. Thank you, Brad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a dumb one in there, man. I'm an Illini fan. We're, <laughs> we're realists here. There's, there. Don't get me wrong. For, every, for every decent of these three wins that there is, there's gonna be a dumb loss in there too at some point. But no, I, I, I think we've, I think we've turned. It's not a big corner that we've turned, but we've at least turned a little bit well, of a corner with, unfortunately, uh, with it with the whole corner turning thing, like I think the team is clearly better and they're playing better. And that's what we wanted to see. But the next game coming up here on Tuesday night on 6 PM is against Michigan state. Like, Oh, I mean, it's a chance to have like a a real signature win, but Michigan state at home. Yeah. At home. It's orange out night, man. They got the scoreboard all lit up here. I'm up in the, again, up in the, the, the second level concourse, whatever, looking over the the court. uh, we could lose they got Iowa with his game phase. It's going to probably be a really tough game. Michigan State is class again. Yeah, Cassius Winston's playing really well. But, I mean, it would be a stupid game for them to lose, right? Like they're That's playing, an 84-69 loss they're, right they're there playing, is what that playing, is. They're playing Indiana at home tonight for game day. Indiana stinks. They're 9-1 and one in conference. <laughs> Indiana is so bad. <laughs> yeah, How bad are they? Shout out, just, Archie Miller. They're, they're so bad that, like, Crimson Quarry is, like, basically <laughs> having to enough. try to fight off their fans. Like, Crimson Quarry is, like, the SB Nation Indiana site. Fight off their fans every game about, no, we're not going to fire Archie Miller. Where he's, and he's slowly – every game just gets more of like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you guys are right. Maybe we are firing Archie Miller. Yeah. But Indiana's going to have the same record as us once they lose to Michigan, if they lose to Michigan State tonight. So, 
in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, yeah. No one's as bad as us. Well, actually, Penn State is. But. Fire up the take machine. Circle back really quick, the last thing about basketball. It was nice to see Georgie bounce back. He didn't have a great game today. You know, eight, re- eight points, you know, four rebounds. He did have a couple blocks that were nice to see. Yeah. But, like, it was nice to see him have, like, a more of a bounce back game emotionally because he had a terrible game. Yeah. And, Brad, Brad, you were right. Previous game. Um, right from the jump too. I mean, he had eight points. I think six of them were in like the first five minutes or six of our first 13 points or something. Um, I think he had our first basket and he went straight there and I was like, okay, George didn't make a play like that all against Minnesota, but he looks fine. Like he already has like the, I, I don't like think of him as a freshman, you know, where I'm like, oh, all right, how are we going to, how is he going to react to today? Like if he misses a few shots, if he gets a few fouls, it's like, nope. Georgie's Georgie is going to be okay. And yeah, his, his emotion, he had a few big fist pumps. He has, he was pointing the way on, yeah. on turnovers. And that's a, like, you could definitely tell that, the emotion was in the building. Yeah. And that's a big turnaround from Minnesota where I remember there was a chased ball that he didn't go after a loose ball. And uh, Brad Underwood was trying to yell at him about it. Cause Brad Underwood has to yell at everybody. But <laughs> Georgie was like having none of it. And was just going straight, walked past him, go to the bench. Brad Underwood had to follow him and everything like that. And you could just tell, like, Georgie was just having a really bad time that game. Yeah. So it's nice to see him bounce back. But really funny thing on the Underwood thing, too. I remember uh, Shannon Ryan was in attendance today from uh, Chicago Tribune. He's just like – she's like, I'm just going to start setting over-unders before the games, (laughs) you know, for how many F-bombs Brad Underwood's going to drop. Friend of that's friend of the show, Shannon Ryan. By the way, uh, good. We 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 love her. She loves us. Good stuff there, dude. I the the last little anecdote about the like Georgie being a freshman or like he doesn't seem like a freshman. De La Rosa gets the ball for his first touch of the game. I'm uh, again the first main concourse, so like I've reached the border between the luxury seats and the general public, and from the 200 level in the front row the second he touches the ball some guy behind me screams oh god here we go and he immediately <laughs> posts up and like airballs a jump hook it was oh, oh. man it, our fans oh, man it i, I think they our fans have all reached the same level of stuff but they to- oh they totally get and this is i would i would call this a champagne crowd this is this is not the oh we drove down from chicago to watch the- oh no this was the townie crowd and Again, when you get the guy in the front row, the 200 level, like, oh, God, here we go. And, and it, it touches it, tw- you know, puts the ball on the floor twice, sky hook, air ball, turnover. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> figures. <laughs> oh, I miss that. I miss, I miss uh, <laughs> witnessing those reactions in, in real time to know I'm not alone when I'm, when I'm uh, having the exact thought on my couch. That, that's so funny. Come witness the atmosphere that is the State Farm Center, where we're just as saucy about our post-play here as we are on our couches. You boys, uh, you boys have a good rest of the pod. I'm going to peace out. Last thing we'll talk about here really quick, Matt, to wrap up is some football talk to end it. So it was announced today, not by the university, but Jeremy Werner confirmed a report that Football Scoops had a few days ago that Illinois will be hiring uh, Kenoto Hudson is what I'm going to go for pronunciation from FAU to be a defensive, a defensive assistant. He was the defensive backs coach at FAU under Lane Kiffin for the last two years. So assuming that he will be the defensive backs coach at Illinois. Uh, I like Kenyatta Hudson a lot as a hire. Uh, he two years at FAU did some good, decent recruiting, you know, 
for FAU. There's a different level between recruiting yeah. to FAU and recruiting to Power 5, but regardless, he was also at USC from 2011 to 2016, and he worked a lot on recruiting there as like an analyst assistant sort of position, not an assistant coach, but on staff. Yeah. And he did a lot of work with recruiting there. And this guy was a high school coach. He's a Florida native. He was a high school coach in Florida. He's been around a lot of different places. Like, And after losing Thad Ward, of course, to Temple, who kind of was one of our Florida guy, and along with Donnie Abraham, who left in earlier in the season, you needed another Florida connection because the Midwest recruiting gets worse and worse each year as more football families are moving down to places like Florida who are starting to set up more basically just yep. – you know, prep schools for college, but prep athletic schools. Yeah. So you need Florida people. And I think that's a good hire. But what that means, also at the same time, there's reports that Miles Smith, and I haven't seen any reports from like legit things. These are more whispers at this point, but uh, it seems pretty logical. And I was expecting this to happen that, but Miles Smith right. will, Lovey Smith's son, will be named a permanent coach. He was an assistant coach last season after Donnie Abraham left. He took his spot. But it's looking like Miles Smith will now be the linebackers coach for Illinois. And that would make Gil Bird. I don't know if Gil Bird would be named defensive coordinator, but he would be getting a sort of job somewhere. Lovey will be the defensive coordinator is what these hires are pointing to. But a lot of people are mad about this Miles Smith thing because of the nepotism idea behind it. I don't know if it's that big of a deal, to be honest. If Ryan Cubitt didn't happen with Bill Cubitt being named, Ryan Cubitt being named offensive coordinator and then getting fired along with his dad. And then Ryan Cubitt's never had a job outside of his dad giving him a job. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think. Um, Neither is Miles Smith, to be fair. But there's yeah. a difference between being made a linebackers coach and being made offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think uh, the anger is kind of misdirected, right? So I think. People are looking at this and like, if you say like, oh, like Miles Smith, like that's who they're, that's what they're going to hire. It's like, not the fact that like Miles Smith is getting a job. It's the fact that we had time to like, like, okay, Lovey's just going to be the defensive coordinator. We're not going to bring in someone else to be the defensive coordinator. And even if Miles Smith ended up being like the linebackers coach, it's the fact that it's like, okay, we're promoting Gil. It's like the logical, you know, conclusion is we're going to promote Gil Bird. We're going to bring in this one recruiting, you know, you know, Hudson from FAU to be the DB's coach and we'll promote uh, Miles Smith. And it's easy to kind of just go, it's like, oh, they're just doing all this because they wanted to promote Miles Smith and like kind of think about it that way. Whereas the fact is the, the, the more like pressing thing would just be like, they didn't really have anything to like replace, like bring in an impact you know, bigger name coach on the and defensive like, side of the yeah. ball. And you would like to have seen maybe him bringing in a recruiter, but like, yeah, they, I think Hudson will be filling a recruiter role. So. Right. And Miles well, Smith, he could be a good recruiter. We'll have to see. Maybe he is, maybe he won't be. I mean, he doesn't really have much experience doing it, but he'll probably be more active in that front coming forward, but moving forward. But if it wasn't Miles Smith, I really don't know who we're going to bring in that was going to be much better because honestly, that $4 million assistance coach like salary, like fund or whatever, I don't think existed or it may have shrunk because I don't think we have money to hire coaches really. I really don't think we have that much money at all. Yeah. The, so like if it wasn't Miles Smith, it was going to be another Austin Clark-esque hire. Like, yeah, like another like GA promotion. Yeah, and, and yeah, like. there could be nepotism with it, but maybe Miles Smith's loved by his defensive players and maybe they like working with him. Maybe he's really good at working with players. Like I don't 
No, and and when you're being a linebackers coach and a position coach, that's pretty important. More than a lot of times your specific knowledge of everything, it's more like, do you have great relationships with the coaches? How can you do that sort of coaching? And he might have that. And if anyone knows Lovey Smith's defense really well, it's probably his son. But Lovey Smith's really always been a family guy. Uh, his second son is his agent for both him and his two other sons who are also coaches. And Mikel Smith, along with Miles Smith, were on the coaching staff when Lovey Smith was in Tampa Bay. So this is stuff that Lovey's always done. So I expected it as soon as it was just like, oh, Miles Smith was promoted last year. I'm like, well, that's probably going to be made permanent. So I think people are just, what did you expect? <laughs> yeah, this, is, this doesn't come as a shock. To, and we've kind of talked about like, Every week. And if our coaching, if our year next year is going to come down to whoever the hell our linebackers coach is, I'm just, come on. Like, <laughs> if that's what it's going yeah. to come down to, we're going to have a crappy year anyways. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so anyways, if those, if Miles Smith is hired along with Hudson, we'll be then left with only one position left to fill, which would be the running back coach, which is left open by Thad Ward's departure. A lot of people are talking about, oh, let's get Nate Shieldhouse back. I'm so, I don't think Nate Shieldhouse has no reason to come back. He's yeah. at Iowa State, a much more stable situation. Matt Campbell was whispered around of like when the Ohio State job was looking like, but the open was like, oh, is Matt Campbell maybe going to be able to look at the Ohio State job? Matt Campbell could get like a big job and a step up, and then Nate could follow him. Follow him, and yeah, could follow him and like take a, get a promotion out of it. And know? even if he doesn't get a bigger job here in the next two years, the likelihood that, he, that uh, the Iowa State staff is fired versus the Illinois staff is lower. Yeah. Plus, I think there was some saltiness from Nate Shieldhouse with yeah. not getting the coaching job in the first place that eventually went to Corey Patterson. Yeah, I think all you you add all those things up, and it it makes sense that like you can't know you can like expect Nate to make that move. Like, I'm expecting a random young grad assistant, or at least I'm hoping it's that direction, and not like a former NFL coach. I want a recruiter for that. Yeah, spot we need some sure. kind of recruiting chops probably to fill that spot. Running backs coach is literally should just be renamed. I'm here to be a recruiter coach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, I think that's kind of the most pressing need there. So I mean, I have you know, I have no idea where it'll go, but hopefully, someone who can, as long as the staff can, you know, survive the next year or whatever. I'd love to see Nate can, back in. Illinois at some point down. His oh head. yeah, but it, it, it's not, it's probably not going to be this year. But that doesn't mean it won't be never. But anyways, the coaching hires, we'll have to see. Yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm still concerned about next year, but we'll see how it goes. We picked up a new linebacker commit out of Memphis. Forget his name, but Shaman Cooper will also be signing here coming up on the final signing day, which now kind of doesn't even exist because everyone commits early, but Shaman Cooper is going to be expected to sign here on February 6th with Illinois, along with the latest commit, which is Tariq Barnes out of Memphis. You know, decent recruiting class. I don't know how much impact they're going to have next year, but you have to just hope that they can get to six and six, but there's a chance that it could go disaster mode really quick. There's a chance they just do really well and go. I don't know if it's a make or break here, but there's a chance they can easily get to six wins, and I really need to see it. We really need something to happen quick with Illinois football because time's running out. Yeah, it's going to be um, one of the more exciting lead-ups, one of the more exciting summers and, like, falls, start to school year, I think, that um, we've had around Illinois football in a long time, which is exciting and um, – also scary. Should be for both sports. 2019. It's a big year. Big year. 
if the twenty twenties are going to belong to the Illini, <laughs> twenty nineteen needs to be a good turning point. We yeah, decent win for basketball team. Michigan State's coming up next. That'll be tough, but then you have to follow that up with Rutgers. So hey, get to ten wins. Like it's possible. Yeah, yeah ten ten that. wins. Ten, if we don't get to ten wins now, I'll be disappointed. And I didn't think it was possible early in the year, which you know. Hey, that must mean, you know, the team's still fighting. We must be get to like seven or eight Big Ten wins. That's a really good year. That's pretty good. Like, you yeah, know, yeah really the, the, the awful start, you can't just ignore that that happened. Yeah. But. It, it might fall short of initial expectations. Um, but the, team, you know, but the it, team's starting to improve. The team's just, improving. The culture, hopefully, we're fighting for it and it's getting there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That means we'll be fighting that, for the culture until we die. That, <laughs> that means that we'll be um, ready to hopefully see just some get Kofi Cockburn in there and just hope. Let's go. Like, <laughs> no more excuses. No more. They're young. No more. Just play basketball. Yeah, I just want to be a normal team again. I want to stop <laughs> watching these games in terms of like, oh, what, what does is this mean for the future? Yeah. And all this. Like, I just want to watch a season and like enjoy the season that it's yeah it's like oh we're, we're winning it's like i have a bunch of like you know my like marquette friends are ranked 10th again it's like and they were struggling for a while too it's like it can happen like i just want like we don't have to even be ranked that high just like have have or take stock in this year and know it matters like <laughs> i want to feel like something can be accomplished with my fandom for once yeah, i want to feel alive again 